0: I'm Daniel Lazar. Thank you so much for joining me. Studs explores and honors working. It also honors the life's work of the oral historian and legendary Chicago radio host, Studs Terkel. And in my effort to close the social distance, Studs gives me the opportunity to check in with my people and take a deep dive into what they do for a buck. This episode features a conversation with master brewer Todd Space. Todd walks us through how we transition from teaching high school science to teaching brewing science and founding the Master Brewers Academy in South Florida. He dives into the problems and pleasures of building a school from the ground up, without building a building, a school without a school, space without a space. Up is down, down is up, it's a topsy-turvy world, my friends, but this conversation with space will set things just right. So, go ahead, dig in, relax, and enjoy my conversation with founder of the Master Brewers Academy, Todd Space. Todd Space, welcome to the podcast. I'm so grateful to have you here. It was indeed 13 years ago this month that you and I met. We were new teachers at the John F. Kennedy School in Berlin, Germany. We had the good fortune of working together for several years and becoming friends. I've missed you. Ever since you left. But since you've left, you've gone on to uh, some interesting pastures. Todd Space, tell me how it is that you went from teaching high school science to teaching the brewing of beer.
1: Well, good afternoon, D. Lazard. Thanks for having me. This is a really cool idea, and I'm glad we're doing this together. Um, okay, the process. It's a, it's, that's a good question. Um, I assume you are still a high school teacher. I am. And you know already the trials and tribulations we go through. So from Berlin, I moved to Miami. Um, I was working at different high schools around here, really just two kind of like high poverty, low performing high schools, because that's my jam. The work is great. We love the work. We love the kids. We love what we do. And it's always those levels above us that kind of you know get under our skin, meaning uh, people above us. So I'm not talking about like the department chair. I'm not talking about the principal. I'm talking about all the way up the line, in my case, Tallahassee. Uh, just decisions that are made that are that are just not helping me feel like a professional anymore. I have a master's degree in education. Uh, actually, it's in urban high school leadership. So I was like, Ooh, you know, I can use this master's degree to become a leader in a school. And I went that route becoming what's called the science coach, which means I was in charge of the science department. I didn't have my own classroom. I didn't have my own students. I was in charge of all of the students and helping to ensure that they were successful on the statewide test. Yeah, it wasn't my, it wasn't my thing. It wasn't my, my game. I, being in the classroom with students was what got me excited about being there. So I went back to the classroom after doing that job and I went and looked at my retirement fund and the amount of money I would be making. And I realized it would be 22 more years of, the, of kind of like the same thing. And I decided, well, you know, what else would be exciting and interesting? And what else could I do with a science degree, an education degree, etc.? And my wife says, you really are into craft beer. And long and long ago, I decided that I don't want to do something that I really enjoy for work because then it'll become a job and then I won't enjoy it as much anymore. So I decided, well, you know, that's that wouldn't really be my thing. But if it was, just for curiosity, let me look into it. And if I did do something in the beer world, I'd want to be educated specifically in that. So I started doing some research and there's several universities and private programs in the United States that offer such a thing. But the nearest one to Miami was in Knoxville. And I didn't want to go to Knoxville for a year. I didn't want to go to UC Davis. UC Davis has an incredible program. Um, Another incredible program is Siebel in Chicago. And it just was thinking like, oh, well, I'm quitting my job to do this. How am I going to do this? And and I thought to myself, well, what would I be learning in a brewing school? Well, I'd be learning science and the science of brewing. And who do I know who's really good at developing science curriculum? And I'm going to go ahead and toot my own horn here and say, yes, I am pretty good at it because I've got a lot of experience. So I was like, hmm, what would it be like to write science curriculum for brewers and i reached out to one of the local head brewers and i just asked him does it make sense to have a brewing school he's like yeah you know there's it's an ojt kind of career at that point i started looking into what is the curriculum or the content of these different programs Ones I had mentioned already, like I said, UC Davis, Siebel in Chicago, and there's uh, OSU, Oregon State University has a phenomenal program. So I pulled all their, all their content you know, online that's easy to find content and put it together and then used my science educator, call it a hat, put all that together. And I said, okay, well, how would I structure that? How would I deal with this? What would I do? And then I found pretty much my most important resource, which was from the Institute of Brewing and Distilling, the IBD. Uh, This is an institute in the UK, and they offer pretty much the the only test that would qualify somebody as a brewer, as a master brewer or whatever. They have many levels of certification. And it's it's literally a test. And as an educator, especially in Florida, uh, previously in California, uh, quote unquote, teaching to the test is something that I'm uh, really good at creating curriculum to help students be successful in. So I took the IBD kind of standards that they had put together, and then I worked backwards and I created a kind of curriculum that would follow that. Point being, I wanted my students, when they finished the program, which I don't even think had a name yet, (laughs) that they would be able to be successful on this test. And then they could have schooling, obviously some type of internship, and then a successful passing on this globally accepted test. That was my transition, essentially. And uh, I continued to teach, found Wix.com, and I decided to start building my website. Um, and I came up with a name. I had my old roommate from Berlin design my logo and and uh, give me some kind of brand identity. The next phase was really interesting because I was trying to sell a program that was going to be three months long, full-time. You come in eight to, eight to five every day, learn and brewing science for three months straight. And my mentality was, if you're going to do this, you're going to quit your job, you're going to do the school, and you're going to be a brewer at starting month four. Turns out that in South Florida, for sure, and kind of almost probably most places, uh, most people cannot just quit their jobs and do this. Right. And so the, the, over, the overwhelming response that I was receiving uh, to my complete chagrin was that, man, if this was nights and weekends, I would sign up tomorrow. So I went back to the drawing board. I just really, you know, the curriculum was already there. That's the hard part. And I rewrote the timeline to be 11 months, nights and weekends. And boom, I had 10 signups. And the curious thing was, when I was trying to sell out the three-month program, I decided, hmm, I've got to quit my day job now. So when I quit the teaching job, I pretty much walked away. And then when I didn't sell out the program, I was like, oh, no, no what am I gonna do now because I quit my day job, this program didn't sell, I'm converting it to nights and weekends. What am I gonna do? But I ended up selling that up for January. So it started in January. So I had that kind of what, five month gap where it was just like, okay, how are we gonna do this? How are we gonna tighten it up? How are we gonna make it work? Is it gonna be awesome? And then it ended up being awesome in that first year for sure and continues to be.
0: Let me dig into a couple of things you said. Mm-hmm. First, you investigated the curricula of a couple of different uh, universities and programs. And yep. uh, I imagine that you kind of mixed and matched to create your own. What makes the curriculum that you created for the Master Brewing Academy different to, or even better than, those that you investigated?
1: We don't have a brick and mortar. Uh, we meet at breweries for our classes. The nature of Master Brewer Academy is... I am not a professional brewer, and I have never been a professional brewer. So therefore, I'm not the teacher. I'm the one who structures the content. Although I did create the curriculum based on the scientific concepts of brewing, which I fully understand from a book, from watching YouTube videos, where a lot of people have their degrees these days. And having been a brewer um, on a home scale since 94, I've got a lot of that experience. But I was not going to stand in front of students and teach them brewing, per se, I would teach them the brewing science concepts, and then I would have local professionals supplement that. So I call them my professors. They are paid as private contractors. So when we're going to have a class, what we'll do is we'll meet at the brewery. And whichever professor or whichever employee at that brewery in the production side whatever area that he or she is an expert in, I'll have them teach whatever we're learning that night. Our typical classes are four hours long so you can imagine we come in for about you know 30 minutes we're touching base we're catching up on what we learned last time making sure we didn't miss anything kind of making sure we everybody's on the right, same page uh, then I'll probably give some background scientific content for maybe another half hour and then I'll have one of the professional brewers come in and give, Usually, on average, about an hour and a half to two hours of content delivery. Somewhere between form of lecture, somewhere between walk and talk, and as much as possible, hands-on. And I'd like to think that that's going to be one of the things that would set us a little bit apart.
0: How did you manage to create these connections with the brewers in South florida and to have them open up their their space to your
1: students
0: and to be willing to become your professors
1: you show up at the brewery you have a couple pints you share your ideas and they're like that sounds really cool (laughs) because it because it is when you go to a brewery the the focus isn't on the brewer the focus is on the beer it's on the brand it's on like you know who has the the haziest IPA or who has the most pastry in their stout or whatever. Um, But there's no real focus on the brewer. And so what I realized, and this is all just kind of by default, it just happened this way. You know, the brewers, they love their job and they love talking about it. And so therefore... You know they come in. They get to talk to people at a definitely a brewer level, as opposed to giving a tour to you know the locals who just come in and have a couple of pints. They want to walk behind the scenes. Uh, now they can actually get into the science. And what I do is I give them like, okay, tonight's topic is you know mashing enzymes and temperatures, and um, they have to. So I give the enzyme notes and the lecture on what is an enzyme, how do enzymes work, biological catalyst, yada yada. And then they come in and talk about the details of what's happening in the mash tun while they're adding in the grain to the water. And it's something they don't get to talk about very often. It's usually just, yeah, you, know, you mix these four ingredients and you have this uh, you know, magical potion that uh, you know, makes you funny or whatever. right? <laughs> so, um, so, so it was kind of exhilarating. And then I met a couple brewers who had gone through Siebel's Full Academy and they jumped on board almost immediately and then once i worked with them on tweaking the details it was much easier to present it to people who were either you know not good teachers or were uncomfortable in front of people and i would just kind of like adjust so rather than being the content deliverer what i do is i try to just like find out what you're good at and then i put you in that position in front of the mba students and we go from there
0: so you mentioned this and uh, I want you to take a deeper dive into it. I looked into your Comprehensive Brewer Training Program, and it seems like you take your students on some pretty deep dives into science. And I would imagine that a lot of your students are years removed from school. I can't imagine that too many of them have a science background. So how do you keep all of your students engaged when it comes to some of the more scientific dimensions of the program?
1: From those 16 years of trying to get 15-year-old kids to get into photosynthesis. (laughs) (laughs) If I can get, you know, 30% of 15-year-olds in my class to kind of get into it and kind of appreciate it, the skills that I learned to be able to do that is the way I transfer it onto these uh, adults. I tend to have six to 14 people that I'm working with at any given time. So first of all, you can tell already, small class size. We all know that small class size makes differentiation very easy. It makes uh, spreading out the the love a little bit easier. And then if I have at least one scientist, which I generally do, like having someone like that and then having, of course, me with my background in science, um, I, I make small small cooperative groups. And so the very first day of our content, I start with one Cooperative group of like two to three people, and they're working on small different topics going on in the background. It's easy to move around and interact with each of those groups, just like we, we do in a classroom. You know, we're eleven months long, so through the ele- over the eleven months, all of these topics kind of keep cycling over and over and over again. And so you have education, you know, science education um, strategies, and then you have people who really care about the topic because in the end they're making beer and they want to change their career to beer probably right and then you have this time frame of 11 months with gaps in between in hindsight it's so amazing because had i done that three month program like i had mentioned earlier Mm -hmm. you would be lost you would be complete like on day one it's malt all day malt science and on day two we're getting into water chemistry you know like it would have been so overwhelming that it people would have been lost for sure. And they would have ended and said, that was an amazing program. I can't tell you anything about brewing. <laughs> whereas yeah. whereas now the way it worked out, and again, this is all by default. This is against my my plan, against my wishes that this program worked out perfectly because my students will go into a brewery and they'll actually have understanding and suggestions uh, for the people who work there and that are well-respected well and well-taken because of this... Uh, community that has been built down here um, because of our constant interaction with all the different breweries.
0: So, I have had the mixed blessing of teaching adults, and I will tell you that I I would much rather teach kids. I find, uh, as often as not, that adults, and particularly teachers, are the worst students (laughs) you could ask for. Does that ring true to you, how have you found that transition from you know, teaching 15-year-olds to teaching 45-year-olds? Uh,
1: in this case, it does not at all have uh, that. I don't have that kind of reaction at all because we're six to 14 people working for 11 months together. By the third week, it's kind of like a little family. Hmm. Um, we all know each other. Of course, there's a WhatsApp group you know, that we share. Um, I found out just the other day that they have their own <laughs> WhatsApp group where they kind of they'll have virtual happy hours on random nights and stuff like that. I didn't even know about this. So and you weren't invited? No, I wasn't invited. That happens <laughs> to me
0: with my students. Same thing. Do you fear okay. that they're talking shit about you behind your back? They better be. They are. I, I know they are. I'm, I'm in sure the group. I, I should tell you. Uh, they are. <laughs> That's basically all they do. Have you, and you don't have to answer this if you don't want to, have you had a student or two who just can't cut the mustard? They're just not cut out for it.
1: Yes, for sure. Um,
0: Tell me how you approach that.
1: I mean, it's kind of the same with any, anytime you have any student like that, right? You just, you just kind of keep pushing. My, my angle has always been keep pushing, kind of convince them that you have to work your ass off if you want to be successful at anything. You know, sometimes people will come in with zero knowledge of brewing. They've never brewed before. And I tell them from the beginning, you're going to have to work 3 times as hard as everybody else because you're going to want to immediately buy a kit and start making beer at home. You're going to you're going to need to read a lot in between our classes because the delivery alone is not going to cut it. Versus I have, you know, a guy who's he created a brewery in Venezuela in Caracas. You can already imagine how hard and difficult that must be. So when he comes to the classes, he's just sitting there like, okay, I really am getting it now. Whereas with this, you know, with some other people who are brand new, it could be difficult. So like I said, first, first phase one is, it's, it's totally hard. I totally understand. You got to stick it out because in October, that's when everything's going to click. And then in November, you're going to be like, Mike, this is amazing. And then in December, you're going to have a job and you're going to be the head brewer in six months, (laughs) you know? Um,
0: Having had the pleasure of working with you and knowing how encouraging and supportive you are, it is my uh, sincere belief that the students who come in with lots of disadvantages, you know, having not brewed beer before those who come in a bit green, I know that you're right there with them. I know that you're supporting them and they are surely lucky to have you. And and in particular, lucky to have you to get through some of the challenging science that they're going to have to learn. And, and so we talked a bit about the science, but there's also an art to brewing. And I know that you need to balance the art and the science of brewing. Can you talk about the art of brewing and then Uh, if you will, how you balance the art and science of brewing?
1: One of my favorite professors to work with, uh, and actually former colleague, uh, Michael Demetrius, he's he's a head head brewer down here, and he's really one of the most phenomenal down here. He, um, we had a class one time, and he just looked at everybody, blank-faced, and just straight-up said, this process is scientific, so you have to know the science to be able to be really good at it. And that is so important to really get a grip on first once you have that then by definition technically the art does come in because it is still writing recipes it is still you know having fun with trying to find out new ways to make new styles so there definitely is an art what makes mba really fun is that we're very science based and science driven and one of the things that maybe um it might be a little bit frustrating sometimes if you want to be so artistic in the brewing world, is that we don't give a lot of space for that, <laughs> <laughs> which might sound a little bit disconcerting at first. What we focus on is getting the science down tight. And what what I mean by this is there's two real qualifiers that we want to make sure that you are so good at when you leave our program. And the first one is... Making quality beer, which of course sounds like everybody's going to do that, but there's some subtle things that once you get into the the whole sensory side of this industry, um, that you'll find out that quality isn't always necessarily as good as you think. Just because you enjoy the enjoy drinking the beer doesn't mean that it might be at that quality. So the first is hitting quality beyond all things uh, separately, and then secondly is consistency. Now that said, let me step back a little bit and say that that little brew pub around the corner from my house. That they don't they don't hit the same recipe every time, but I love the vibe and I love the people and I love, you know, everything about it. They've got a jukebox with seven inches of only punk rock music on it, for example. <laughs> like I'm there every day and I don't like me as a consumer is different from me as an educator of brewing science curriculum. So that said, you know, we do that, but then of course we do have some time to get into some art. My favorite example is, and since you're in Berlin, and I do miss the proper German Pilsner so much sometimes, (laughs) is what's really cool about that beer is, you know, you hear a lot of times like, oh my God, it's so hard to make a Pilsner or a lager. It's so difficult. But what's different about those beers is it's nearly impossible to hide mistakes inside of them. So if you have triple IPA milkshake you know, with <laughs> pomegranate and <laughs> the snicker bar, you know, right. let's go. That would be your Imperial stout. It's just going to be good. It's just going to be like high octane, delicious. So, so self-consuming. Like I actually had like a peanut butter beer last night. If you had a little bit of an error in that beer you wouldn't notice it. Whereas in those Pilsners you would. So you want to nail down that, that first those, the quality and the consistency first, and then go exploration, go into your art phase bringing back Michael Demetrius that I was talking about before. So Mike, he has both of these types. He's the guy who told my class, if you don't do the science, you know, get the hell out of here. But then he's the guy who makes like these, you know, kind of wild, you know, sour beer cocktails. One based on like the hurricane and one based on, you know, these different kinds of uh, typical cocktails. We're in South Florida, Miami's a cocktail culture. But, and he's making these, you know, you put, he's putting like, Coriander is kind of typical, you know, coriander, orange peel, these kinds of things. But then, you know, he was talking about rose hips and like just all these other ingredients. He's got that curiosity and that recipe development to where that's where the art comes in, but he doesn't go art, no science. He's doing art with the knowledge of what is this, how is this going to affect all those biochemical reactions going on in the background?
0: That's a great answer to the question of how you balance art and science. I I learned. And so I'm grateful, but it's not just, the need to balance art and science. You have to balance your roles as, as a teacher, a consultant, a boss, a coach, an entrepreneur. You got a lot of hats to wear in this
1: gig, man. Yep. How do you, how do you juggle all that? Whew. Yeah. Like, that's like the, that, huh? <laughs> that's exactly how, uh, definitely not, definitely not easy. I mean, Luckily, I have done very little to kind of do a lot of adjustments on the overall eleven-month program, as far as you know, calendars and what's taught. Um, details, of course, have changed, and then I've only really built relationships with more breweries and more "quote unquote" professors. What's really, really nice is that that part, which is the passion part, you know, that's what I love to see: is to see, you know, we have a class, it goes smoothly. Everything is, is working out really well there. So then the other hats that come in are where it gets a little bit, you know, cattywampus, right? So you said, for example, uh, like an entrepreneur hat. That's tough for me. Luckily, my roommate, <laughs> no, so Terry Cooper Space is like perfect for this because she is a dynamo. She's like an entrepreneurial, you know, phenomena. I know she's there and I can always kind of like count on her for those kinds of things. And then I hired somebody to be in charge of social media. Mm -hmm. I had to source that out. It was making me crazy. I want to, you know, I want to spend my time and energy on the curriculum, the content, and all those kinds of things. And luckily having CJ, um, CJ, shout out to you, we love you. She is able to kind of keep that kind of existence, that kind of footprint for MBA going because we don't have a store, we don't have a a brick and mortar. That is two-thirds of my sales page is her ability to kind of get people excited about it. And I'm so glad she's doing it and not me.
0: In a somewhat self-serving way, can I just ask a follow-up on
1: that? Sure, of course.
0: Obviously, it's evolved over time. At this point, how much free reign does CJ have over the
1: MBA domain? 100%. Hmm. She has full range. So she's she's been with us for a year and a half. I don't need to micromanage.
0: Do you want more than 9 to 14 students in the class? Do you want 20, 30 students? Do you want to run two sections? How ambitious are you to grow the program?
1: I'm not interested in growing the size of the program in numbers that I'm currently been talking to you about. 12 is my magic number, actually. So 12 is the, is the number of people that, that I would feel comfortable with going through this 11-month program. Rather than trying to increase my numbers to 20 and 30, what I'd rather do is offer more ways to learn brewing science outside of an 11-month uh, offering. One of my favorite things to do is a full-time two-week short course. It's called the two-week intensive, and it's uh, 7 to 3.30, Monday through Friday. Saturday, 10 to 4. And then again, Monday through Friday, 7 to 3.30. So we had that one Sunday off in those two weeks. And uh, this is a really, really fun program. It's definitely for people who've got lots of experience because we just go. I mean, we start with science in the first 30 minutes (laughs) and uh, we just go through straight. And um, it's really phenomenal. And that's another good uh, program that I like to throw out there we've hosted already three of these and they're really, really amazing because now we're getting people that can fly in from, you know, from South America, Central America, for example. And uh, so it kind of really helps spread the that quality and consistency that I'm talking about spreads it further into other quote unquote craft beer communities. Um, I'm also trying to have some kind of online um, kind of, we call them like, you know, like a green program where it just kind of consistently stays out there and exists in the, this internet world and people can just pop in and check out webinars, check out different classes. And then (laughs) my, my kind of new baby that I'm working on is just a straight up, uh, what's called a seller program. If you were a brewery and you had a guy, or you had a gal, eight bucks an hour sweating in the back, but you're like, you know what? This person's showing me a good work ethic. Let me send them to spaces two weekend class and get that kind of skill up the game for everybody.
0: Uh, there are parts of your job that you like more than others. Can you give me both ends of the spectrum? Which part of your gig is the biggest grind? You just don't look forward to, you know, getting into work to do that thing. And then, what's the part of your gig that you continuously get inspired by?
1: The biggest grind, hands down, marketing. <laughs> Hands down. It's, there's not even a question here. In fact, every, every time I have to start a new program, there's that little... like The stomach is wrenching a little bit because, first of all, in the long program, if I'm accepting drop-ins, I want to remind people that I'm accepting drop-ins, right? So there has to be that, hey, community, don't forget, you can pop in for the East course and just pay for just that one topic and blah, 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 right? There's the other thing of like the two-week class. Um, right now, I'm officially starting marketing for a two-week online live school on brewing science. I've got to get those people. Oh shit! I got to make sure that I have that ad out. Oh my gosh! I, have, I should send out like the reminder email. Uh, Terry's on top of it. She's always like, we, she has a little whiteboard in our in our living room because she's got her her half and my half of like we need to make sure that we're sending these things out. And I understand that I have to do it. I understand that it's important. <laughs> I just don't like it. So there's the grind. But the flip side is uh, the rewards are so amazing. It's just a series of people who go through or interact with MBA that have success stories. We have so many of them, and it's just so amazing to hear. If someone goes to the program, they've been a home brewer for five years, but now if you drink their beer, it tastes like it came from a brewery. And that's hard to do in a plastic bucket in your, in your kitchen. You know what I mean? Like It's hard to make a home brew taste professionally made. And they're doing it and they're winning gold medals or they're winning different medals at different competitions. And that's so cool. And then when you take that and you bring it to like Lima, Peru, where someone who went to my class, they have a brewery in Lima and they're winning awards at different competitions that South America offers uh, or anywhere like Guatemala. I have a big following Guatemala, big following Venezuela. And just hearing that is is amazing. Uh, one of my guys from my first, very first class, the very first cohort, he got a job. I think by March of that same that same year. So he started in January. By March, he got the job as a keg washer. But you know, he's going through the program, moved up, and became the brewer there within two years, and then got a job offer with Guinness.
0: You know, it's a really uh, increasingly competitive field, as you're keenly aware. I cannot but wonder how gendered it is. What percent of your students identify as female?
1: As far as statistics go, we're in the 30% range. It's, you know, again, you look at it, and I I look at this industry, and I'm a white guy with a beard. I look exactly like I would be in a brewery. Now, I have the fortune of being in Miami, so by default, I'm in a diverse community, so I end up having a diverse classroom. A couple of the women I talk to, they're, they're saying like, you know, we, we kind of feel a little bit like we don't want to just go into the brewery like, hey, guys, I want to work make beer with you guys. So they're using MBA as kind of like that little step to get up to the next level. And it's a really cool feeling that we have. When within two weeks of hanging out with MBA and then working with the different breweries, everybody's in the same level, level playing field, I hope. Yeah. You know, that's easy to sit back and say that, right? Um, but I know for sure, like Ana, who I mentioned before, the, the woman from Brazil, she's already got two connections to work at a couple breweries because she knew she wanted to get into this. She knows she wants to work in the QA world of brewing and she's met a few of the QA people and she's trying to get herself into these different areas. And it's, it's definitely clearly much easier to have MBA behind you, supporting you to go through those kinds of processes and uh, makes me feel really good about what we're doing.
0: You should feel good about it in your assiduous commitment to this program, is there like an aptitude or a a skill that you hope to refine to make you better at your job?
1: Yeah, I would say trying to find ways to better connect the community. Uh, And when I mean community, I'm talking about the community of craft brewers in South Florida, specifically. For example, I have at this point in time, I'm getting close to about 60 people who've gone through our program in one shape or form and about 120 who've reached out from whatever area and kind of having these community groups that can, you know, reach out and combine and and kind of join forces to help grow the community.
0: A and B. A, I love that you're thinking about that. It warms what's left of my heart. And B, it's so inherent to who you are that in so far as you are mindful that that's what you're trying to do, you will achieve that uh, because it's it's what you do. I've seen it at, at school. I've seen it in our friend network. You're a community creating guy and it's not just by dint of personality and charm, although it doesn't hurt. It's a, it's a, a spirit and an ethos that you bring to the people around you. So uh, you are well on your way. Uh, we like to wrap up our podcast by asking our guests for um, two things first, can you just tell me the story of one professional triumph and one professional failure? Maybe give the failure first so we could end on a <laughs> triumphant
1: note um, ooh, failure no, no failures. Yeah. All good. <laughs> No, like I said, I think we—it's—it's it's been fortunate in this particular case. Uh, failures would be in trying to reach more people to get into the program. It goes back to that marketing thing that I talk about. How do I how do I fine tune that and get better at it? Um, is that a failure per se? Well, no. It might it might well be
0: that one of the failures that stands out to you is this problem of marketing because you don't. You don't like it. Your ideological compass points away from marketing. I, I imagine it to be a bit of a, a complicated emotional dance that you have to do because you believe in teaching and learning. You love beer. You know that you offer a world-class opportunity for people who share those interests but you have to get them to the table you know you have to reach out somehow and you have to charge them and i imagine that that creates for uh, some sensitive moments
1: well said that's exactly yeah. that's exactly what it feels like
0: yeah so what's the triumph
1: the triumph is the, is the community that has already been created i would just easily have to say that for sure because um even though that is my goal to cr- to create a more concrete version of what a community would look like. In reality, it's there. It's, it's really amazing when I get these calls, you know, like these random WhatsApp messages that come in with a group of 17 people on it all from Venezuela. Hey, Todd, we just, you know, we just won a gold medal. Love you, man. Thank you. You really helped us along the way. And there's definitely camaraderie. Like I said, there's these groups that exist outside of MBA that are alumni of MBA. And it's not just about beer. It's about relationships. It's about, um, you know, people feeling comfortable. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm going to use Anna again because, you know, we just had a long road trip the other day to a, on a field trip, and we rode together. So she was telling me these stories about how, um, you know, she was in a relationship that ended badly. And then, the, like, the relationship she has now with the different people in our class, like Emilio and Carlos and, and uh, Francisco, but those relationships really helped her kind of navigate the one that she was ending.
0: Can I make a prediction slash suggestion? Please. A two-week MBA bicultural bilingual Spanish-English course for 2022. Done. It seems like the, have you, you must have considered it. Oh, 100%. Can I double down on it? Double down. I think you should hire a filmmaker to create a short documentary about the process of creating and delivering that class.
1: There you go. It's not a bad idea at all. Yeah, yeah.
0: I'm here to help. Cool. Hey, Todd, I never let guests leave without begging for a recommendation
1: for a guest I should pursue. One of my students is a guy by the name of Sam. He's, I think he might have, I don't think he sleeps. Um, he's got a, like a nonprofit that he does to bring like filtered water bottles, you know, just the, the self-contained ones mm-hmm. to Haiti to, you know, just support people who are struggling in Haiti with getting fresh drinking water. Um, he's a police officer and he's taken my class full time. Like he's, t- he's in our program. I think this man's amazing. And I would, I would like to hear about him.
0: So I'll get Sam, the, the police officer, beer brewer, Haitian <laughs> savior and, right? and proud father. Right. All right. Todd Space, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It has been an honor and a privilege to reconnect. I never had the chance to hear the whole story of your transition to teaching brewing and it just sounds awesome. I'm so happy for you and I know it was a risk and I'm sure at times it was frustrating or even scary, but it sounds like you're really doing something phenomenal down there in South Florida. I'm wicked proud of you. I'm super happy for you. <laughs> I miss you like a brother. And I can't no. wait to the next time we talk again.
1: Well, Dee Lazar, I'd like to also thank you for doing this. It's really jazzed uh, the way I feel about what I'm doing. And it's, it's like, oh yeah, I forgot about that. I'm just in a daily grind of how we do it. Thank you for helping bring that back up because it's going to uh, get me jazzed for the next, the next step.
0: Stay jazzed, baby. Love you, brother. I'll talk to you soon. Okay?
1: All right, man. Thanks. Love you.
0: What a fella, am I right? Dude, so hard to match energy with Todd Space. I'm just along for the ride. Man, I couldn't be a brewer. My liver could not hang. He told me that when you work with beer all day, the appeal of beer sort of morphs. Maybe for him. I could, like, make pizza or like ice cream. I mean, I like them fine, but there's no, like problem face-to-face with beer all day i might make it to 5 p.m like a couple days a week probably not cool thing he did though right go todd space all right hey so subscribe and leave a like offer a comment preferably a good one but you could tell me where to stick it And pretty pretty pleased with sugar on top come on already share studs with your people If you like it, share it. I'll catch you next time.